just how far are you willing to go to get an answer? Story of a young man who traveled to see a fortune teller looking for answers. And the fortune teller read his palm and said, you will be poor and unhappy until you're 37 years old. Which point the man said, well, then what's going to happen after I'm 37 years old? Will I be rich and happy? And the fortune teller no, said, no, you'll still be poor. You'll just be used to it by then. Would you go to a fortune teller to get an answer? How about a fortune cookie? What about a horoscope or how about a magic eight ball for awesome answers? Let's see. Will the Spurs repeat in 2008? Decidedly so. Would you go to a magic eight ball to get an answer? Just how far would you go to get an answer? Our society is obsessed with answers, and perhaps this is why prayer, too, is so appealing. As one Christian writer put it, the main reason why Christians continue to pray is because it works. In a recent survey of uh, Christians, uh, 5,400 Christians uh, reported amongst that group that 41% of them said that their prayers are answered regularly. But my message for you this morning is this. Unlike fortune tellers, fortune cookies, magic eight balls, God's answers to prayer are not random, but rather deliberate. Hear now as Jesus explains. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God thought about that scripture, particularly one verse. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Surely, if I pray to God for bread, he will not give me a stone. But just how will God answer my prayer? You may remember last week we likened prayer to walking to the mailbox to communicate with God. And what I want to do this morning is open up the mailbox and see how God deliberately responds to our prayers. But first, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Let's go to the mailbox. Precisely what we ask for. My personal favorite, nature's own whole wheat bread. You know, so often in my life, I pray to God and I receive the exact thing I pray for. I get the bread. Jesus says uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, those who ask in my name, you will receive it. I've seen churches Uh, come out of disarray. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen schools reborn, all these sorts of things through the power of prayer. I can testify that God has answered so many of my prayers. 
But there's good news and bad news about answered prayer. The good news is God uses answered prayer to draw us into an even closer and deeper relationship with him. As one Christian author put it, the value of answered prayer is not that we get what we want, but that we have more reason to become the people we are called to be. That's the good news. But now here's the bad news. Answered prayer can also lead to pride. You receive your prayer request and you start becoming a little more spiritual than everybody else. Kind of like the Pharisee who went into the temple and prayed, God, thank you so much for answering my prayers. Thank you that I'm not so much like the tax collector over here. So it's always a good bet when God answers your prayer to ask yourself a question. Have I been moved into even deeper humility or am I a victim of pride? For we can never forget Mother Teresa's wise remark. She said, because of pride, more tears have been, have been shed over answered prayer than unanswered prayer. But it's not always that cut and dry, is it? Answered prayer, unanswered prayer. Sometimes I go to the mailbox and I don't get the whole loaf of bread that I asked for, but all I get is just some grain I once heard a speaker say that uh, people approach Jesus uh, in the Gospels 183 times with a direct question. Jesus, however, responded to their request directly only six times. So it should come as no surprise that sometimes when we pray, we don't get the bread that we want, but we may get a grain. For example, a couple came into my office a few weeks ago looking to get married. And just after college, they had moved uh, to a foreign place, and both of them lived uh, in, apartment, in the same apartment complex. And that's where they got to know one another. And while they were there, they prayed that God would bring them a spouse. And it just so happens that through their friendship, uh, four years later, they were the spouse uh, that they were looking for. They got the bread they always wanted. But as one of them remarked to me, she said, you know, I didn't just get Mr. Right right away. All I got was just a little glimpse of friendship. And then it developed into this engagement. You know, sometimes you don't get the bread. You just get a piece of grain. Sometimes you get the bread you ask for. Sometimes you just get a little bit of grain. And then sometimes you get neither bread nor grain from God. All you get is a business card for the baker at Broadway Daily Bread. Hmm. You know, so often God answers prayer by way of acting directly. For example, you pray for rain, God delivers rain. Sometimes God answers prayer by altering your life circumstances. You pray for a new job and God opens that door for a new job. But more likely than not, or at least it's been the experience in my life, God has answered prayer through another person. In fact, I think Jesus is proof that God's favorite way to answer prayer is through another person, through a baker who can deliver you that bread. For example, there's a story of a, of a woman that I know about uh, a year ago, she lost her husband and she was dealing with quite a bit of grief and she prayed to God to relieve uh, this burden of grief that was on her heart and, and, and the burden just simply would not lift. But as she was praying too, she was also meeting with a Stephen minister, somebody who saw her every week uh, to give her uh, some Christian care. 
And that person continued to listen to her and listen to her. And after a while, she noticed that the burden of grief started to go away. She began to heal. And one of the things she said to her Stephen minister was that, you know, now I realize God may not have acted directly to relieve the burden of my prayer, but God sent me you, the caregiver, the baker who could give her the bread that she was looking for. And what a blessing that she was able to recognize that. For some of us, we don't even recognize the bakers whom God sends. Kind of like the story, there's a joke of a farmer who, uh, in the middle of a, of a horrific uh, tornado and rainstorm, uh, was on the roof of his barn. And uh, with his floodwaters rising, his neighbor came by in a rowboat. And he said, come on, hop in my boat, let's escape. And the farmer said, no, I have prayed for God for protection. At which point, his friend just kind of rode his boat off, and a helicopter came over top of him. A rescue helicopter lowered a ladder down to where he was and said, come on, hop on this ladder. We can save you. And he said, no, he was stubborn. I have prayed to God. I will be okay. And so the helicopter flew off. Well, the rainstorm got worse and worse and worse, and finally the farmer was just swept away with his barn. He got up to heaven, and he said, God... Why didn't you save me? Why didn't you answer my prayer? You know what God said to him? He said, I sent you a rowboat and a helicopter. What more do you want? Let's not be like the farmer who will not recognize the people through whom God works to answer our prayer, to give us bread. Sometimes you get the bread you always wanted. Other times you get just some grain. Other times you may get a calling card for a baker, somebody who can deliver that bread for you. And still yet other times you go to the mailbox and you receive nothing. The marriage stays in disarray. The church Splits, the alcoholic flips, the grandmother dies, even though we prayed differently. Why does God sometimes not answer prayer? It's a question that I'll briefly tackle in just a second, but before I do, I need to just throw out two disclaimers about unanswered prayer. And my first one is this unanswered prayer is not a simple matter. For example, once upon a time, you may have heard someone say, God answers all prayers. It's just sometimes he says no. Look, it's just, it's not that simple. H.L. Minkin once said, for every complex problem, there's a simple solution and it is always wrong. And unanswered prayer is the same thing. It's not as if God randomly has a magic eight ball and shakes it and he gets a yes or a no. It's not random. It's more deliberate than that. It's more complex. And then a second disclaimer that I will throw out for you is that unanswered prayer never, ever, ever means that God does not love you. For we must never forget that Jesus himself had prayers that went unanswered. For example, in a prayer for Christian unity, Jesus prayed that we all might be one. You don't have to go but to Hondo, Texas to see that there are two supermarkets and 20 different churches of 20 different denominations to see that that prayer has yet to be answered. 
Or perhaps the most notable of Jesus' unanswered prayer was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross seemed inevitable. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. For it is not your will, it's not my will, but your will to be done. Thankfully, God didn't answer the first part of that prayer. God, you know, take this cup from me. For if he had, Jesus' life would have been spared and ours doomed. Unanswered prayer is not simple. And nor does it ever mean that God does not love you. And so now we turn to the age-old question So why sometimes does God not answer my prayer? Four reasons, I think. For starters, sometimes we approach God with selfish motives. And one of the things that we learn from the Bible is that it is God's policy not to respond to selfish prayers. For example, James chapter 4 verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You spend what you get on your own pleasures. Or for instance, consider this proverb. If a man shuts his ear to the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. To be honest, I too am a victim of this type of selfish praying. I too often allow the culture to shape the way I pray uh, for prosperity, for professional success. But Jesus, of course, did not make that mistake. You may remember while Jesus wandered in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil, tempted to flex the muscles of his prayer power. So the devil said to him, Jesus, if you are who you really are, turn this stone into, anybody know? Into what? Bread. Exactly. Jesus resisted the temptation to pray for bread out of selfish motives. Which brings me to a second reason why God sometimes does not answer our prayer. And it is to protect us from ourselves. For if all of our prayers were answered, we would become miserable people, victims of our own greed... For example, you may have seen the movie Bruce Almighty in which he prays for uh, 144,000 people uh, to win the lottery. And they do. And the result is widespread unhappiness and chaos. Perhaps this is why when somebody asked Gandhi, if you could have one wish, if you could change and remake the world into your image, what would you do? And the first thing Gandhi says is, I would pray for the power to renounce that power. Because he knew that if God answered every single one of his prayers, he'd just be miserable. Would you really want the unlimited credit card God? Would you really want the vending machine God who coughed up all of your desires? As one Christian speaker put it, a God who gives man every request is not God at all, but rather a demon. Sometimes God does not answer our prayer because of selfish motives. Other times God doesn't answer our prayer to protect us from ourselves. And still yet other times God does not answer prayer because of what I'll call wrong timing. Uh, For example, in my own life, I remember a time in which I was praying uh, persistently. Jesus says, pray without ceasing for doors to open up in a field other than ministry. And I couldn't understand why those doors were not opening for me. But now I look back at that time on my life and I say, oh yeah, that's why it was a question 
of timing. Or, for example, consider the story of Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael, as a young girl from age 10 to 12, would sit in her room and pray to God for her eye color to change from brown to blue. And she could never figure out as a girl why God would not answer her prayer. Turns out that later in Amy's life, she had amazing success as a missionary in India. And one of the reasons why was that her brown eyes were less foreign to the Indian children than would blue eyes be. And she said, you know, now I get it. I understand why God did not answer my prayer. It was a question of timing. Which naturally brings me to a fourth and final reason why God does not answer prayer. And it is this. For we only see dimly in this life. That's what Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. Now we only see darkly. But one day we will see and be known as we are known. We will never be able to guess why Ad acts in certain ways and doesn't act in others. Why God intervenes here and does not intervene there. But one day we can trust that we will see why it is God has not granted one of our petitions. I'll close this morning with a story uh, that Jerry Sitzer tells in his book, When God Doesn't Answer Prayer. Uh, it's a story about a gentleman uh, named George who uh, prayed uh, for almost six months for a group of missionaries, five missionaries, friends of his, who were traveling down uh, to South America uh, to, for, to evangelize a remote Indian tribe in the jungles of South America. And George prayed uh, for this group. He sent them off. They went on an airplane. They landed on an airstrip. Uh, and then they got out of the plane, and as they were moving toward the village, all five of them were murdered by the Indians. And this was just absolutely devastating for them. Some years later, George, who prayed for his five friends, went to a conference on uh, international evangelism in France and bumped into a friend of his in the elevator who introduced him to a South American evangelist. And it just so happens that in his conversation, he learned that this person, an Aka Indian, was one of the people who killed two of his friends. And he remembered being there in the elevator and just having an epiphany. He was dumbstruck. For his prayer had not been answered, at least not in the way he ever expected or wanted but the Aka Indians were and still are Christians. And the proof stood before his eyes. You and I may never get to see that proof in this life, for we only see dimly. But what you need to know is that one day we will. I pray that you and I would continue to live in that hope. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came uh, to live amongst us so that we might have life and have it to the full. And we thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, said, ask in my name and you will receive it for the blessings that we have received.
we are so grateful. And Lord God, often we do also know that we cannot know how you will act. But Lord, help us to trust. Help us to live lives of hope. And help us, even though we do not see clearly, to see as clearly as we can your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can become more like him and share his love with others as well. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.